to my attention that we're still at home. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's so anyway. I'd, I would appreciate just prayer, just for clarity of thought while we're going through this class. And uh, so anyway, let's pray. Jeff, would you lead us, please? Okay, we're in chapter 8 of Luke. This is our third study in the chapter. We've looked, first of all, at the proclamation and preaching of the kingdom of God. And then the second study was to look at just who he proclaimed and preached that to. And now in this third study, we want to look at the proper response to the proclamation and preaching of the kingdom of God. If you remember, we've divided the book of Luke into four sections, the introduction of the Son of Man, the ministry of the Son of Man, which is where we are today, the rejection of the Son of Man, and then the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Son of Man. So we're in the second section in chapter 8, the proper response, the proper response to the proclamation and preaching of the kingdom of God. So I've got everything turning on up here at one time. So let's read verses 4 to 21. When a large crowd was coming together and those from various cities were, joining to, were journeying to him, he spoke by way of parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it with it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this, what this parable meant. And he said, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is, um, it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the, the seed is the word of God, those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones of, uh, who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil... These are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Now, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. So take care how you listen. 
for whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. And his mother and his brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. So it was really helpful for me in studying through verses 4 to 15 to have, I think, a better understanding of verses 16 to 21 and seeing it all within the context. And I hope we get that far today. So why does Jesus use the parable? Well, first, looking at what Zondervan Pictorial Bible Encyclopedia says, a parable is saying our story, uh, is saying our, his a saying, our story, that seeks to drive home a point that the speaker wishes to emphasize by illustrating it from a familiar situation of common life. So there's, there's something that he's wanting to teach with the story. The reason for using this parable, uh, we find that those who were following and believing him, and that would be by faith according to verse 50 in chapter 7, so those who are following and believing him by faith, they would be granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But the rest of verse 10 says, but the rest, there would be no understanding of the kingdom of God. The understanding of the kingdom of God, you see, in, in looking at that verse in verse 10, we see that the understanding of the kingdom of God is given by Christ and not by their own understanding. This is a revelation. Look at uh, up on the screen here, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16 says this. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Uh, what are your thoughts with this, with this passage and, and this, this point that we... The, the, the understanding of the kingdom of God is given by Christ and not by our own understanding. Any thoughts? I, I'm sorry, I couldn't, couldn't hear you. Just say it again. I think maybe he's uh, revealing what kind of soil <coughs> we are. Yes, sir. So he calls us out in multiple situations, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to understand that. Yes. Yeah, and, and what... It's not, it's not all... I, it's easy to come to those who are weak. Right. 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 The, the, it's not just hearing... 
you know, when we say the word here, <laughs> it's not just that there's more. There's an acting out on it. There is a responsibility. I think so often what people hear when they, when they hear us say that the life of Christ is not about us, it's about him, it's not what we do, it's what he does, then all of a sudden, it, it, you know, if we're not careful, what people hear us say is that we don't do anything. Well, what about the book of James? Yeah. So to me, when it says, therefore, it says, take thought to yourself. Mm-hmm. I think of how I live. Okay. And it's not listening to what I want to listen right. to. It's listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Understanding that God is aware. Mm. We don't discern with our own human intelligence. Mm-hmm. We discern by agreement with God. Right. Right? And so mm. it's, it's an agreement with God that, that causes us to be at the right kind of soil to hear right. the yeah, I appreciate that. Right. That's good. Right. 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 I agree. Yes. Well, I'll always remember seeing a, a, a man that I invited to church who was an evangelical missionary who was saying this perfect gospel and inspiring and all of that, and he didn't he didn't accept the Lord. And it incensed me a little bit. It was because um, you know thinking foolishly he knew exactly what the church house was going to kill him. So. He remains dead, you know, so until the Holy Spirit brings life and understanding, um, it's a foolishness. Mm. Jay, did you want to say something? So here, with again, why does Jesus use the parables? And um, 
Jesus explains the parable in verses 11 to 15. Uh, Tom Pennington, a pastor in uh, North Texas, said this about this passage. He says, the way a person responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ reveals the nature of his or her heart. So I, I think this is important to think about in looking at the soils. Uh, you know, wh where, where do I fit into this? Um, and, and specifically, the heart reveals the nature of his or her heart. In verse 12, those beside the road of the, um, are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart. And then in verse 15, but the seed of the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart. So this is a heart issue. So where is our heart? So let's look at these. In verse 5, there's the seed. And we know according to verse 11, the seed represents the word of God. Within the context, what, you know, I think of verse 1, with the word of God, he began to, he going from city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. So we see this all in the context, not separating it out. It's not a different thing. He's, this, Luke is, is, is on a pattern here. He's got a thought pattern here. So the seed would be the word of God. Now, the, the road, we see, according to verse 12, are, it represents those who have heard, and they will not believe and be saved. And so in other words, these are those who don't want it. In chapter uh, 8 of John, let's flip over there real quick. In chapter 8 of John, beginning in verse 43, the first part of 44, we read this. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. The, the, the problem here is they just don't want it. They don't want what Jesus has to say. So then, um, uh, pre pressing on, um, well, before that, you know, I, I think this kind of fits in with some of the discussion that we're already having. You know, there's, there is a responsibility from us. And Brian Ince, uh, not Ince, another Brian, Brian Stamness and I were um, on staff at his hill, and we took the students down to San Antonio, downtown. There, there was a guest speaker in that week teaching on evangelism, and then he wanted to take them downtown just for practicum. So we decided to go with them. And Brian and I were together, and we're just walking around and just walking up to people around the Alamo and the and the river walk, just walking up to people and starting a conversation. And it was really interesting how many people were really fine with talking about Jesus. And, you know, then you start to hear, you know, different ideas, and, you know, and that, that can be really interesting. And, but pleasant conversations. And then there was this one group of young people we walked up to, and specifically this girl that we started to talk to, and she was adamant. She could care less. She did not want to even discuss it with us. There was a hardness there. Um, uh, it, it, was, it was kind of, 
uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It was, she, she could tell. She didn't think much of us. And I, I just thought the contrast between these different people was so evident. But somebody that just, just doesn't want this. And so it would appear that that's what's going on with the seed that falls on the road. Then in verse 6, there's the rocky soil. And there, uh, this represents those who hear. They believe for a while, and in the time of temptation, they fall away. Now, it's, it's been suggested that this rocky soil is not like a ground that has lots of boulders and rocks on top of it, but it's more like the ground we have around here. You know, a thin, there's rock under a thin layer of soil. And I know growing up in Louisiana and spending the last six years there before moving back, you know, we'd walk out in our yard and it just kind of goes, you know, and you, it's just kind of wet all the time. And you, I, after living here for 23 years and then going back there, I was just amazed. What You step on the ground here and you see grass pulling over here. You know, it was just, and we have to mow every three days in the summertime if you're going to keep up with it. It was just insane. And, uh, but, but coming back here uh, and, and digging there. Oh, man, you can dig a hole like that, you know, and, and, and if you know how careful, you get water. <laughs> it's, just, it's just different. Coming back here, Arlene wanted to plant a tree. I said, sure. You know, and we lived up at his hill, you know, you know before. It was just rock everywhere, just sticking his tongue out at you, you know. But, but down, living in comfort, you know, we're down lower in the valley, and, and there, you know, there's, there's grass, and it kind of looks like it's much better until you get a shovel. And you find after you've gone about two inches down, it, it, it took me 45 minutes to dig what would have taken me two minutes in Louisiana. And the dumb tree died anyway. <laughs> and so that's kind of the picture that we're given here. It looks great, but underneath, not so good. There's some wording there in verse 6. The word receive. Um, it goes on and says that this means that they believe for a while. The same account in Matthew and in Mark, Matthew 13 and Mark 4, puts it this way. It was temporary. Yes? Hmm. 
the, the, uh, the, the same account in Matthew and Mark says it's temporary. But something in verse 13 here in our text that I think is interesting is the phrase, with joy. They, they received it with joy. There's, there, there's a suggestion here of it, it's an emotional decision. And the danger with that is it's, it, it's based on what you can get out of it. Some kind of improvement of your situation. You know, so often, if we're not careful, the non-believer hears the invitation, you'll come to Christ and everything will be okay. Come to Christ and your marriage will be fixed. Come to Christ and you'll be rich. What you get out of it. But then the temptation comes. And what's interesting about the temptation, again, if you, if you look at, the, the, uh, the, the, at Matthew 13, 21, the same account here, it tells us that this temptation is affliction and persecution. Uh, that, <clears throat> that brought me to 1 John, just, just a thought from there. In 1 John in chapter 2, in verse 19, says this, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would, not, they would have remained with us, but they went out, so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. And, you know, I mean... We, we have, you know, the, the book of Jude, you know, dealing with, you know, with people that come in alongside, but they, they, they don't belong with us. The temptation is this affliction, this persecution that comes in that don't really want. Just, I don't want this. This is not the gospel that I'm believing in, not the one I'm accepting. I, when, I, when, I, uh, when I was looking at this, I thought about, you know, many of us know the story of the two evangelists, Billy Graham and Charles Templeton, and it's a really just sad story because they were contemporaries, not only contemporaries, but they were very good friends. They even traveled together in crusades, and it was believed at the time when they were younger men, it was... It was uh, it was commonly believed that Templeton would be the one to go on to be the one the Lord used to impact the world. But there was something going on that people didn't know about, and he finally came out with it. He eventually becomes an atheist and just walks away. He and Billy Graham had a discussion about this shortly before it all happened, and he tried to get Billy Graham to go with him. And uh, later in life, toward the end of his life, Templeton wrote a book entitled Farewell to God, My Reason for Rejecting the Christian Faith. So it's just amazing, you know, how, you know, how the, the, um, the rocky soil can look right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Really, and it's a really sobering thought, you know, especially when we look at this, you know, thinking, you know, realizing that we need to think through this. Which, which heart is mine? Which soil do I belong to? Then in verse 7, there's the, the thorns. One, and according to verse 14, this is the one who has heard, but then it's choked out with worries and riches and pleasures, and it brings forth no fruit. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, I mean that it, it that, that this can affect everyone. Yeah. Okay, with verse seven, I. You know, sometimes when when I just get so confused, and you know, I've been praying about it, and there's just no clarity. I grab my commentaries, and it's always interesting when you grab a bunch of commentaries and they either gloss over the whole section. And I mean, some of these are like leading commentators, and I I understand why they do it. And uh, they either gloss over it or they all come down on different opinions and can be very dogmatic about it. Well, here's the thing. I'm looking at these different soils, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's, what's Jesus saying? Is he saying that this is a picture of a person that is not saved, or a picture of a person that is saved and is backslidden. And so I'm really trying to dig into this without trying to make it say something. And I think so, so often what we want to do is, you know, it, it, it has a lot to do, I think, with where we come down on some of our, our doctrinal stances. You know, that can, that can dictate, and I admit that. that, that, can, that that's a hard thing to fight through. And so what, I, what my desire was in looking at this this last week was to just, just stay with the text. What's the text saying? Is there something in the verse that lends toward one or the other? And I found that while there are certain words in the previous verses that would suggest that the path and the rocky soils represent the unsaved person, I just can't find something like that in verse 7 regarding the thorny soil. I, I can't be dogmatic about this. I'm not going to try to be. I'm just not comfortable going beyond what I see the verse telling me. So I'll just share with you what I've, what I've come to. And, 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 I, and I'm prefacing all this because, you know, we tell our students at his hill, you know, don't believe what I say because I said it. And, you know, be, be in the word. Walk with the Lord and, and listen to him. Trust him. And so this is where I've come down on this. And I encourage you to just think through it as well. In the phrasing in verse 7, the problem are the worries, the riches, and the pleasures of life. Now, there's nothing wrong with riches and pleasures in and of themselves, but the obsession or the fixation on these things, the worrying over these things, there's a problem there. Listen to familiar words from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start uh, in verse, I think I'm going to start in verse 31, Matthew 6, 31. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I always thought that was an interesting phrase. You know, these are things. The heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so it's not that they're, they're, they're not concerned about things that they shouldn't have. These are things that they need. But he says this. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom. Isn't that interesting word? Thinking of it within the context of what we're studying the proclaiming and preaching of the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, which you need, 
will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's the problem here with the thorny soil, what it comes down to is it does not bring forth any fruit. And I, so I start to think about, what are some passages here? What does the scripture say about, you know, is it possible for, a, for someone to be a believer but not producing the fruit? And so I thought about a couple, just a couple of passages came to mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And in chapter, chapter 3 and verse 1, it's, Paul says this. He's not happy with them. Now, now, remember, he has called them, they've been designated as being saints. They're sanctified according to chapter 1. So these are believers, and this is what he says, and I, brethren, okay, so they're saints, they're Christians. I could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Even, indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And look how he ends this here. And are you not walking like mere men? And then he goes on and he talks about the, the building on Christ. And he says uh, in verse 15, if any, man work, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Uh, something that I try to emphasize when I'm teaching through Hebrews at, um, in Bible school is that, listen, I, I believe that it is possible for, a, for you to be a believer but not producing fruit, not living as a believer. And the danger in that is, oh, well, okay then. No problem. You know, I'll just keep going the way I'm going. I get to heaven. I'm saved. And what I want to point out to them is the wording here. He himself will be saved, but look how it's, but before that, but he will suffer loss. And I tell him, listen, I can tell you from personal experience that there is no more miserable existence for a believer than to be one who does not live with total dependence upon Christ, who is not maturing, who is not producing fruit where you can be just as miserable, if not more so, in this life than the non-believer. Yeah, I think so. Yes, sir, I agree. More so. Another passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32 Now here, this is just after one of the warning passages in Hebrews. And I think, personally, I think it's the strongest warning passage in Hebrews. The scariest warning passage in Hebrews. And it's, I believe it to be warning believers. 
And I, I believe that the writer considers these people he's writing to to be believers, according to this passage here, beginning in verse 32. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. So having been enlightened, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but to those who have faith to the perseverance of the soul. So I believe what he's telling them is this. Listen, this is not true of you. Having placed your faith in Christ, you need to step up. You need to live this life that you have been saved for that you have been indwelt for, now live it. And he goes on and explains that that's by faith. And I have personally seen people get upset and frustrated when that happens, when, when you say that. And I can, exp- I, 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 I can identify with that. I was teaching in a class one time, and the, and, and the students all week were asking me, how, how, how? How do I enter into the rest that the book of Hebrews talks about? How? And I would tell them, I'm going to tell you, but not yet. I kind of had fun with them throughout the week with that. In the very last class that I was teaching uh, that week, I said, okay, you've been asking me all week. Now I'm going to tell you. This is how you enter. And a bunch of students grabbed their pens all of a sudden. And there was a group sitting over in this section. And they actually sat up like this, and they grabbed their pens. And I said this, the righteous, I read from there, the righteous shall live by faith. And I saw that whole section of students go, I told you before, I poured my heart out to Charlie one time, going through a hard time in my life. And you know, we're, we're driving down the road, and I tend, I can show you right where we were. And when Charlie said this, he says, well, Kelly, and I thought, oh, good. Here comes the answer. It was, it was wise for me to pour my heart out to Charlie. Here it comes. And he says, we can never get away from faith. And I remember looking at him, I know exactly where we were on I-10. And I, I looked forward and I said, that's what you got that big education for, to give me that. <laughs> we hate this. That's the struggle, I think, that we know living in that thorny soil. That's the struggle because there... <laughs> Listen, if we're going to be fruitful, it's going to be what he's doing in us. It's not going to be what we're doing for him. And that, I was, I was reading something the other day that I really appreciated. I wish I could remember where it was. But so often, what people hear us say, and, what, and it's because it's what we're saying, People think that we're, we're crazy because you say you live by faith, and faith is uh, a life of uncertainty. Faith is a life of risk. Faith is a life of 
gambling. Faith is a life of just not knowing. Faith is a life of leap in the dark with your eyes shut, wearing a blindfold. But there's nobody else in the world but the believer who can live with the certainty and the confidence of faith in Christ. And the non-believer is not going to see this until we see this. Until uh, What I mean is they're not going to see that in us until we see that, until we hear that, until we respond to that. I'm, uh, I'm about halfway through the notes, so that means next week's preparation is halfway done. <laughs> That's a blessing. <laughs> Any thoughts? Wow, okay. Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Yes. I, the, the observation, what you're, what you're saying the application is, I agree with, but just to point out that, that Jesus says the seed is the word of God, and it's the, the soils, I think, is what we are. But, what you're, but your observation as to what we're to learn, I would agree with. Then Jeff?
He's a patient God. Okay, let's pray. Um, Kevin, would you lead some prayer, please? Amen. Thank you all for listening and for participating.